There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. News Talk 850 WFTL presents Joyce Kaufman, No Restraint. Here's Joyce Kaufman. Well, this week's No Restraint Podcast has been done and redone over and over again, not because I didn't know what I wanted to say, but because technology is not always my friend. But things have been straightened out now, and I will proceed. But I want to remind you that there's a couple of different subjects I'm going to touch upon today, and all of them are equally important and deserve their own No Restraint podcast. But I only have so many hours in a day and only so many podcasts left in me. So please bear with me as I travel with you through last week and predict what's coming next week. Wow, what, that's about all you can say when it comes to the Department of Justice's special counsel Robert Hur's report. Just wow. The special counsel's report reads, we have also considered that at trial, Mr. Biden would likely present himself to a jury as he did during our interview of him as a sympathetic, well-meaning, elderly man with a poor memory. It went on to say Mr. Biden's memory also appeared to have significant limitations. Mr. Biden's recorded conversations with his ghostwriter, Mark Zwanitzer, from 2017 are often painfully slow, with Mr. Biden struggling to remember events and straining at times to read and relay his own notebook entries. In his interview with our office, Mr. Biden's memory was worse. He did not remember when he was vice president, forgetting on the first day of the interview when his term ended. If it was 2013, when did I stop being vice president, he said, and forgetting on the second day of the interview when his term began. In 2009, am I still vice president? So Biden's own Justice Department says he's not mentally fit for prosecution, yet he's totally fit to be commander-in-chief, not just to the end of this term, but for four more years. Come on. And then Attorney General Merrick Garland has to explain that he's going to charge Trump for records he's allowed to have but not charge Biden for records he arguably stole and wasn't allowed to have. I can't wait to hear that twisted logic. It's hard to see how Joe Biden survives this. But President Kamala Harris, ready or not, here she comes. Democrats and Republicans are already privately talking about invoking the 25th Amendment to remove Joe Biden from office. The only question is this. Which Democrat will be the first to go public? And when does Biden's cabinet take action? 
Kamala Harris is eagerly waiting in the wings. The challenge for her is the fact that many in her own party do not believe she would be a good president, let alone a good candidate for president. So the question becomes, has she developed a strong enough political machine to withstand a convention challenge from other Democrats who would like to replace her? President Trump had some good news, lots of good news this week, though. Not only did the Supreme Court seem to imply that they may rule against Colorado's attempt to keep Trump off the ballot, but there were also indications that this could be a unanimous decision, which would be good for the process and America. And then he has big wins in the U.S. Virgin Islands and the GOP caucus there, where he pulled in almost 75 percent with five candidates on the ballot. And in the Nevada GOP caucus, where he won an uncontested race. In both cases, he won 100% of the delegates to the national convention, putting him one step closer to the nomination. The Virgin Islands Republicans used ranked choice voting designed to determine the consensus candidate among Republicans. When they originally set their rules and moved up their caucus state, there were still eight candidates running. By the time the caucus rolled around, there were five left on the ballot, with only two contesting the race. Hey, anybody who was at the polls said the process went smoothly, and many Republicans said they appreciated the opportunity to rank the various candidates and give their voice a bigger impact. Congresswoman Anna Polina Luna was there all day whipping votes for President Trump and commented on how smoothly and enthusiastically Republicans engaged. For primaries and nominating conventions and caucuses, ranked choice voting is a process we need to continue examining. We're reminded that Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin was nominated using ranked choice voting, and today he stands as one of the most popular governors in America. So the Her Report, what was really in it? Special counsel said after 15 months of investigations into President Joe Biden's mishandling of classified documents, a couple of damning assessments of the president's mental acuity, and of course there have been concerns about his age before this report, and definitely will be more prior to November's election. But in the nearly 400-page report, and I admit I didn't read the whole thing, her provides details regarding his decision not to prosecute Biden criminally. Unlike former President Donald Trump, such as the likelihood that a jury would sympathize with him and that he could not remember, even within several years when his son, Beau Biden, died, among other important dates. Biden's memory was significantly limited, both during the recorded interview with the ghostwriter in 2017 and in his interview with our office in 2023, according to her. We have also considered that at trial, Mr. Biden would likely present himself to a jury, as he did during our interview with him, as a sympathetic, well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory. Based on our direct interactions with and observations of him, he is someone for whom jurors will want to identify reasonable doubt. It would be difficult to convince a jury that they should convict him, by then a former president well into his 80s, of a serious felony 
that requires a mental state of willfulness. Biden, the White House, and Biden's personal attorneys have defended the president from Hur's report, all three underscoring the lack of criminal charges. Well, let me ask you a question. Criminal charges or not, the report paints a very bleak picture of the ability of a man who right now is the leader of the free world. I don't care if you like his politics or don't like his politics. All I'm asking is would you let this man make a decision regarding what you were eating for dinner tonight? Never mind. Holding the reins of power of the most, absolutely the most powerful military in the entire world at a time in history when there's wars and rumors of wars everywhere. So the special counsel released these reports and their findings looking into the mishandling of classified documents and, of course, reaching the conclusion that he shouldn't be charged doesn't mean that Robert Hur didn't feel some obligation to at least say, here's what I saw, though, and we might really want to think about this. I know that I really want to think about it. This was an exhaustive investigation going back more than 40 years, even into the 1970s when he was a young senator. He cooperated completely, no one's saying he didn't. He didn't throw up any roadblocks. I don't think he's competent enough to do that. And he didn't ask for any delays. In fact, he was so determined to give the special counsel what they needed that he went forward with five hours of an in-person interview over two days on October 8th and 9th of 2023, even though Israel had just been attacked on October 7th and he was in the middle of handling an international crisis. Although as I think back, I don't remember him doing much handling. He was just doing a little PR at the time. He thought he owed the American people openness so that they could know that no charges would be brought and the matter would be closed. Would that it were equal justice, and we could be saying the same thing today about uh, Donald Trump's case, which I find far less damaging. Any report that comes out of it is going to prove that Donald Trump had every right in the world to hold on to documents, and most presidents take a substantial amount of time before they hand over every document. They are documents they want to go through. There are records of uh, personal interactions commingled with those documents. So the idea that we're prosecuting one ex-president for something that all presidents seem to do and yet not prosecuting an ex-vice president and long-term senator for mishandling documents that he actually never even had a right to take with him. But hey, if you're looking for fairness in 2024, look somewhere else, like maybe a third world banana republic, although I guess we are now a third world banana republic as well. And then we have the border crisis. It is unequivocally the intended result of the Biden administration's policy. This is not accidental. Three years into this border crisis, most Americans still don't understand what's actually happening at the border. This lack of understanding 
extends obviously to the press, the mainstream press, and to most Republicans who have struggled to communicate effectively on this issue. It's never been a struggle for me. You see, fair is always fair. Right is always right. And wrong is always wrong. And if you just keep to those rules and parameters, you're probably going to have greater understanding and an ability to communicate what you're thinking and what's true to the general public. And if you're going to be a congressman or a senator or a governor, any other elected office, you ought to be able to explain to the voting public what it is you mean. The cause of the current crisis is President Biden's unprecedented refusal to enforce federal immigration law. We're not talking about creating law. We're talking about law that currently exists and simply enforcing it. It requires that all asylum seekers be detained rather than released into the United States. So the solution, this is not rocket science, folks, is for Biden to start enforcing federal law as he is constitutionally required to do so, or for Congress to deny the president something else that he wants until he does. They control the purse strings. Why does Congress cave, no matter who's in the majority, to the whims and fancies of the executive branch? Three branches of government for a reason. The founding fathers wanted the checks and balances. Yet for some reason, each individual branch at times sits there stunned. Like, what am I supposed to do? I think they were all on the short bus when they went to school. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Under presidents of both parties, before 2021, anybody trying to enter the U.S. illegally at least had to evade the authorities. Praising a not-yet-released Senate immigration bill last week, which a trio of senators was negotiating with the White House behind closed doors, that's how they like to do it. The board on the Wall Street Journal wrote that the president needs Congress to fix the underlying incentives at the border. But it's the president, not Congress, who has created the incentives that have attracted so many illegal aliens by offering a near guarantee that asylum seekers will get released into the United States rather than detained as their claims are adjudicated. This was never true under Donald Trump. It's only been true since Biden took office that you could come into this country before your asylum claim was even looked at. U.S. District Court Judge T. Kent Wetherill writes that the U.S. Border Patrol Chief Raul Ortiz testified that the current surge differs from prior surges that he has seen over his lengthy career in that most of the aliens now being encountered at the southwest border are turning themselves in to the United States Border Patrol officers rather than trying to escape the officers. Ortiz, whom the Biden administration selected as chief, 
said that aliens are likely turning themselves in because they think they're going to be released. The difference in the number of releases under Biden and under Trump is like the contrast between the Himalayas and a pitcher's mound. According to U.S. Customs and Border Protection statistics, in December of 2020, the last full month under President Donald Trump, the U.S. Border Patrol released 17 aliens into the United States. In December of 2023, the most recent month for which statistics are available under Joe Biden, the U.S. Border Patrol released 191,142 aliens into the U.S. In other words, the United States Border Patrol released 0.009% as many aliens into the U.S. during the final month under Trump as it did during the most recent month under Biden. For every one alien released under Trump, 11,000 244 were released under Biden. That's not a normal increase. That's more like a flash flood. In all, the CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, estimates that the Biden administration released 2 million illegal aliens into the United States in fiscal year 2023. In addition, the CBO estimates that there were 750,000 getaways. That's three quarters of a million human beings that got away. Those are not the ones that got picked up or that crossed the border and handed themselves over. They just got here, but weren't apprehended. This gives you a pretty rough sense of what's driving this crisis. For every three people who were detected crossing the border but got away, there were eight people, nearly three times as many, who were apprehended between the ports of entry or deemed inadmissible at a port of entry, yet were released anyway into the United States in defiance of federal law. The prospective Senate bill would have reportedly let the president shut down the border if the average number of migrant crossings were to surpass 4,000 a day over the span of a week and it would mandate such action if there were 8,500 illegal crossings on any given day. Oklahoma Senator James Lankford, the sole Republican playing a lead role in the negotiations, appeared on Face the Nation back in January and suggested that he believes the Biden administration's line that it is releasing so many aliens into the country because there are simply too many to detain them. So he actually believes that. Do you believe that? Because I don't believe that. In truth, the reason why there are so many aliens to detain is because word has gotten out that if you come and you request asylum, you'll be released into the United States. And this has been the case since Joe Biden took office. As Judge Wetherill put it in a 2023 immigration case, the Biden administration's actions have been akin to posting a flashing come on in, we're open sign on the southern border. As word spread, the numbers at the border have massively increased, with the most recent month on record, December 2023, being the worst month ever to date. For his part, Biden claims that if that Senate bill were the law today, I'd shut down the border right now and fix it quickly, thereby implying that Congress is at fault. This flips the truth on its head. What's more, 
even if the bill were to pass, which it didn't, and Biden were to shut down the border, which he wouldn't, it's not as if the flow would stop. People cross the border illegally every single day already. Such a shutdown would reportedly suspend asylum claims in between official ports of entry, but apparently would do nothing to stop people from claiming asylum at the ports. According to CBS News, not exactly a conservative news-gathering agency, during a so-called shutdown of the border, the bill would preserve asylum at official ports of entry. Indeed, it would require U.S. border officials to continue processing more than 1,400 asylum seekers daily at these official border crossings. So this means that another half a million illegal aliens would be released into the U.S. annually, even if the border was shut down all year. We need to know these numbers. We need to be able to talk about this with our friends and family because we get all quiet because the minute they start throwing around terms like racist and anti-Hispanic or any of that other nonsense, you're against brown people, we shut up. You can't shut up. The truth is glaring, and it'll destroy this country. In reality, having a come-in-where-open sign at each port of entry while discouraging rampant crossings of the border between the points and the ports reflects the Biden administration's goals. In a 2022 interview, Fox News anchor Brett Baer asked the DH Secretary Mayorkas whether it is the objective of the Biden administration to reduce, sharply reduce, the total number of illegal immigrants coming across the southern border. Strikingly, Mayorkas refused to answer yes, instead immediately replying, it is the objective of the Biden administration to make sure that we have safe, legal, and orderly pathways for individuals to be able to access our legal system. What Mayorkas meant by this is that the administration wants illegal aliens to come not to random places along the border, but to the ports of entry from whence they will be released into the interior of the country. The Biden administration and the media insist on calling this lawful entry. The law, however, requires that those who enter the U.S. without proper documentation be continuously detained until their claim can be adjudicated, since they lack the documents to enter lawfully. The Immigration and Nationality Act states that if an alien seeking admission is not clearly and beyond a doubt entitled to be admitted, the alien shall be detained for a removal proceeding. It also declares that if an alien asserts a credible fear of persecution, he or she shall be detained for further consideration of the application for asylum. Justice Samuel Alito wrote that these detention requirements, as we have held, are mandatory. Well, if they're mandatory, why aren't they being done? The Biden administration asserts that it can use parole or prosecutorial discretion to release illegal aliens into the United States as it sees fit. But that policy plainly violates federal law. Quoting the INA, Chief Justice John Roberts writes to the Supreme Court, DHS may exercise its discretion to parole applicants 
only on a case-by-case basis for urgent humanitarian reasons or significant public benefit. In the past, DHS has construed this language to mean that those who would qualify might include, for example, someone who needs emergency medical care for urgent humanitarian reasons or an alien scheduled to be a witness in a trial providing significant public benefit. The Biden administration is construing it to mean essentially anyone. The administration's primary justification for releasing massive numbers of aliens into the U.S. is that it doesn't have the space or personnel to detain them as the law requires. But as the 2023 DHS Inspector General report notes, since fiscal year 2019, Congress has authorized most of the law enforcement personnel that CBP and ICE requested. So that means they do have the capacity to detain an average daily population of 55,000 just five years ago. But under the Biden administration, DHS requested a reduction to 32,500 for fiscal year 2022, and then a further reduction to 25,000 the following year. What does that tell you? They are deliberately diminishing the numbers so that they're always going to be in trouble. Congress nevertheless did approve funding for 34,000 ADP for 2023. The Biden administration's catch and release or welcome and release policy has also had the effect of making it easier for others to evade capture along the open border. Andrew Arthur, a good friend of mine and a former federal immigration judge currently at the Center for Immigration Studies, explains that many, if not most, Border Patrol agents are now stuck transporting and processing migrants before they're released, rather than policing the open border. Why would anyone feel the need to cross the open border when the Biden administration would willingly let them in at a port of entry if they utter the password asylum? Well, if one is a drug smuggler or a terrorist or someone with a criminal record in the U.S., one might rather cross the open border than risk an encounter at a port of entry. We don't know how many potential terrorists have crossed the southwest border under Biden without getting caught but we do have strong evidence of a huge increase in the number who have tried. According to the statistics, from 2018 through 2020, the three full fiscal years under Trump, they had only nine encounters along the southwest border with non-citizens on the terrorist watch list. In just the first two and one quarter fiscal years entirely under Biden, 2022 through the first quarter of 2024, They had 316 such encounters. That's a 35-fold increase overall and a 47-fold increase per month. Even apart from aiding terrorists and drug smugglers and the like, the effects of Biden's refusal to enforce federal law have been profound. According to data released by the Bureau of Labor Statistics, in less than three years under Biden, The United States foreign-born population over the age of 16 rose by 5 million. That's enough to populate a new Los Angeles, Miami, and Washington, D.C. combined. Why are they releasing millions of illegal aliens into the U.S.? Because they think that this notion of equity, which extends to non-U.S. citizens, requires it. In his first day in office, Biden issued an executive order 
declaring that his administration would pursue a policy of advancing equity for all, including people of color and others who have been historically underserved, marginalized, and adversely affected by persistent poverty and inequality. Well, that's just about the whole world. Thank you for listening to this No Restraint podcast. My hope is that you will uh, pass it along to somebody else and that you will tune in again for the next one. In the meantime, may God bless you and may God bless the United States of America. We sure could use a blessing right about now. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.